Welcome to episode 12, 2, 5, and 10. As always, I'm Big Daddy Case, accompanied by my handsome co-host out on the West Coast on a Monday night recording session. We're a little off this week, but Benny, welcome, welcome. I will take the blame for the delay in recording for this week, but always a pleasure, Big Daddy Kev. You know, blame Red, too. It's on her, too, and I mean... I'm going to say it, yeah, I'll probably get in trouble, but this is partially her own fault, so it, it is what it is. We're going to yeah. we're, we're gonna move forward. Uh, the slut cracker, it, I guess it's kind of a big deal. That I, Yeah, slut cracker. <laughs> um, so we'll get right into it, because, I mean, the slut cracker just kind of took the wind out. Hackstall officially fired today, even though the rumors yesterday was... He was fired for Coach Q. They took back the statement. He was not fired. And now officially fired today in Scott Gordon, interim head coach. Obviously, I think we all saw this coming, kind of a long-term thing. But on your end with them only giving Gordon the interim coach thing, do you think they're actually going to get Coach Q here, or do you think that's just kind of a publicity stunt? Uh, I think they want Quinneville. I just think they were in like negotiations with him or something, and he might have gotten cold feet once it was released before anything was agreed to, uh, because he's had his trust issues in the past with guys like Stan Bowman and uh, uh, John McDonough in Chicago. So starting off on like a wrong foot with the Philadelphia management team might have given him some cold feet. That's just my guess. Uh, but it's nice to see Gordon get another chance. You know, the Islanders canned him a few years back. Uh, they had a terrible goaltending situation. I thought he was a pretty solid coach on Long Island. Uh, so even if it's on an interim tag, uh, it's nice to see him get another shot and maybe uh, open up some eyes around the league for off-season coaching vacancies. You know, I mean, like I said, I don't think it was a surprise to anybody that he was finally going to be gassed. Like, that last game they played... Was it Vegas and then Vancouver? And they just got the doors blown off of them in both games. Just didn't show up, no nothing. And, you know, the GM's already gone. This is the next step. Like, um, is Gordon yeah, going to be the loss is brutal. Yeah, and I mean, the guys just aren't showing up for the guy. I think, you know, now it's the time. Gordon, I don't know if he'll be full-time at the end of the season i don't know if chuck fletcher just kind of you know you bring the guy up from the ahl just to kind of fill a role i'm with you though i do think gordon is a good coach uh he's had success in the past but i think with this complete overhaul that's going on i mean i honestly don't know what's next i mean yeah it is just a nightmare in philadelphia yeah i mean haxtell you never like root for somebody to lose their job, but it just wasn't working out. Uh, he was under 500 overall with the Flyers. He 134 and 143. The team has good young talent. They have good established guys like Voracek, uh, Drew Simmons, uh, those guys. But their performance, especially this year, was just terribly inconsistent. Uh, he wasn't helped at all by Ron Hextall's decision-making with the goaltending uh, area, so he was kind of hurt with that. But he always just seemed like one of those guys who is likely better suited for college coaching. I agree with you. The whole Quenville coming and not coming now, I don't know if that means Gordon finishes out the entire year and they wait till the summer uh, in an attempt to bring in Quenville. I don't, uh, I don't think they're going to go on a run, even though they have talent. Usually coaching changes might lead to like a little bump in performance. But if I was the Flyers, you're in last place in the Metropolitan Division, I would just finish out the year with Gordon uh, and then try my best to hire Quinville over the summer, and that gives you the entire summer 
to kind of mold a team into what Quenville wants. Maybe even give Chicago a call and ask about Duncan Keith's uh, no trade clause, guys like that. Lose for Hughes, baby. You get Jack, you get a chance. Um, one question off of it, like you said, you thought that Hackstall is better suited for the college game. With guys like him who have previously had like that top job at the NCAA level, and now you go to the NHL and it didn't work out, do you think this will kind of like stare guys away in a little bit just because they have such a good gig at the college level to now come up and now he's unemployed? I mean, I don't yeah. know how long his contract was for, whether it was just through this year, if there was a couple more years, so maybe he still gets paid even though he's fired. But, I mean, if he was at North Dakota, he was making huge bucks, and he had a top-notch program, top-notch facility, the whole nine. And he wasn't going anywhere there unless he chose to leave like he did. So now in the future for him, what do you think, A, his next step would be, and B, the effect it has on other college coaches going forward? Uh, Just to start, when it comes to other college coaches, I think it's on a case-by-case basis. You have... You have to have a certain personality type to be successful in one role and still want more and still want to move up to the big boys. Uh, like Quinn with the Rangers, they've kind of fallen off after that little 9-1-1 one one streak they had. But you can tell he fits. And he commands the room. The guys respect him. I never got that impression of Haxel. He was He didn't seem like he had the... I guess the dominant enough personality to command a presence behind a bench during a game or in a locker room. Uh, so I think he'll go back to college. I don't know if he's going to get as sweet of a gig at North Dakota, like what he had in North Dakota. But if I was a college program looking for a fresh start, they could be worse guys to bring in than an established successful college coach. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just a case by case basis. If there's a guy in college that's successful and he wants more, then I don't think Haxwell getting fired is going to stop him. Going from something they can't do in college, uh, the St. Louis Blues, Bortuzzo and Sanford get into a fight in practice. Bortuzzo tuned him up pretty good. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously these things happen. Anytime it's in the media, it's probably always a bad portrayal but I almost think it kind of jump-started the boys a little bit in the sense of the next game they were down three goals in the third pair. They come back and rally and win. Um, do you see teammates fighting? Do you see it as like a rallying point? Do you see it detrimental to the team? I mean, this team was built to win. We've talked about them a couple of times on the show as to the disappointment that they've been thus far. Kind of, you know, you get to that point, you kind of let it all out, and then you're in the locker room and you laugh about it after. But anytime there's a camera on, it's always going to look bad. Yeah, uh, Bartuzzo did tune him up a little bit. Uh, I mean, Bartuzzo can handle himself, so I give Stanford credit for getting in there. I don't see a problem necessarily with heat in a moment. Uh, there's a lot of stress, especially on those guys in St. Louis with the way their season's gone. So I don't think it means there's a team issue or chemistry problems. I would be more concerned if I was in the coaching staff or management of the Blues and we had all these expectations and we've been nothing but a disappointment and nobody cared enough to be that frustrated enough to willingly drop the gloves in practice. That would alarm me much more than if these guys still give enough of a shit to get pissed off at each other. And trust me, the way I played hockey, there were plenty of times in practice that I was even running my mouth to my teammates, getting under skin and led to some shit. Me and you almost even went at it in college uh, over there in uh, uh, Hockey Town. Hockey Town. But, yeah. Uh, so I don't see anything wrong with it. It's If it's a continued problem or it starts leaking out into the rest of the guys and it's like kind of choosing sides, that's an issue, but... I'd rather have a team full of guys that are frustrated than a team full of guys that just don't give a shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's good knowing, too. I mean, on a day like that, obviously, you know there was battle drills going on. Guys were kind of going after it, and you get tangled up, and shit happens. But, yeah, no, it's not like 
Bill Guerin that time when he was in Dallas and he was chop- oh. and he was chopping the rookie down, you know. So obviously, when it's heat of the battle, absolutely, I'm all for it. When it's different things, yeah, no. Uh, just a little side tangent about Bill Guerin. That World Cup, I think it was '96, mm-hmm. USA versus Canada, and they had that brawl. And Guerin's fighting Scott Stevens, his teammate in New Jersey, and actually like throwing haymakers. Meanwhile, about five days, they're going to go back and be teammates. That just shows you the mindset of the guys. And like you said, they were probably in some heavy drills. And Bortuzzo being a defenseman probably got involved a little bit. And they were just frustrated and went at it. Uh, it's fine in my book. If we're going to talk about that World Cup real quick, can we discuss? I, I still have a Woody when I see Keith Kachuk absolutely hammering Claude Lemieux. Like, <laughs> makes me hard. Yeah. Keith Kachuk, man. I would have given almost anything to have him on a Rangers in his prime. Like that was a bad man. Oh, and like the stories that you hear about him too, like legitimately, like just a fucking beauty, like all (laughs) around, like all around good dude. And then his two boys making it pretty well in the league so far. Yeah. Very good. uh, Gene pool there. And I guess they say the daughter is the best athlete in the family. So we might even see a little bit more going forward. Yeah. Um, do we want to touch on my Bruins real quick or do we want to go into the fun free agents and our just about half season MVPs and all that? Uh, you can go on the Bruins a little bit. It's had involving the Lucic rumors and Tory Krug and everything. Yeah, yeah, just just rumors around the league. Nothing too crazy. Um, boys handed it to Montreal tonight, so very happy about that. Um, yeah, trade rumors. Uh, there was a Bacchus, Bacchus for Lucic deal straight up. Um, Kind of a bad contract for a bad contract. So on that end, I don't see it being too much. Bacchus has seemed to just kind of turn it on right now. So he's starting to actually play well, hit his stride a little bit. So on that end, I mean, I don't know, just on account of Lucic doesn't have anything going. Just scored a goal in the first game, and he hasn't done anything since. Yeah, I think he has two goals in a year. Yeah, so it's it's been a very rough go for him. Um, in Boston, though, before the injury to Bergeron, Krejci was kind of just in an island all by himself, and he was really struggling. He has seemed to kind of find his own again with playing with Ber- uh, Marshan and Pasternak. So with that, it's like... When Bergeron comes back, I mean, I think obviously you have to put him back with Marshan and Pasternak because it seems like Marshan's dropped off a little bit. Um, through it, though, Krejci always played well with Lucic. I, I think he plays better when he's protected. So through that, I believe, I don't think it would be a bad deal. I mean, they're basically the same amount of contracts. They're on the books for the same amount. I don't know if Bacchus has one more year on his deal or Lucic has one, but one of them had one more year than the other one, but it was the same amount of money. So Bacchus has two years left after this year, uh, $12 million total left on his deal, but Lucic has four years left on his deal at $24 million. So basically double the years and double the salary commitment oh. in that one-for-one swap. See, like... To me, it would just have to work, and I don't know if it does. Just because we're bitching so much about Bacchus being a bust and we paid so much for him. But if Lucic comes here, we trade Bacchus away, and he does nothing, like, that is all-time worst. And, like, I love Lucic while he was here. Um, Towards the end, I mean, even now, he's playing on a line with McDavid, and he can't produce. Like Exactly. Yeah, so just that alone is a scary, scary thought. I mean... He seemed to perfect while he was here to basically put his ass on the boards, get a breakout pass at the dot, and just hammer, just straight ahead, hard chops. And by the time he got to the opposing team's blue line, their D had cut across just to pinch him off, and he was able to just chip it by him, and Krejci would be cutting over to that side to pick up the puck. And it seemed to work every time. And if that helps Krejci, then so for it. But, I mean, I don't know, dude. That's just such a hard thing to do. My thing with that proposal is, besides doubling the years, doubling the money, uh, the first aspect is, if I have a bad contract on my books, like the Bruins have a Bacchus, 
I want to get out of that bad contract as quickly as possible. And moving him for Lucci just doubles your commitment on everything. So unless Edmonton's willing, because right now they're going to end up paying Lucci $24 million over the next four years anyway. So if they really just want to get out of Lucci and bring in a more veteran guy that even in his diminished skills is a better skater and a better defensive forward, why not just uh, settle the difference? Send Luch to Boston with twelve million bucks. Take back Backus. The salary commitments are the same for both teams. It's just swapping the players evenly that way. The other thing is, Luch is a fourth liner at this point, and he had success with you guys. I think you guys made the right call getting out when you did. Obviously, looking at his production that he's had in Edmonton. But I just, if you can't produce with David or Drysaddle or even Nugent Hopkins, I can't see him coming back to Boston. Have an all lot hype. The fans have him as a fan favorite. And if he disappoints you guys, disappoints in Boston, you guys are going to end up buying him out anyway. Yes, but I think there's one other thing with that. I think that McDavid and Dreisaitl may just be too fast for him in the sense mm. of he can't play with them. It, yeah. Krejci has speed. I don't think he has McDavid speed. Not many people do. So maybe with you know him being able to be in the play more with Krejci, maybe that elevates him a little bit more. Um, Where, so if you guys brought him in and you wanted to test him back out with Krejci again on the left side, who would be on the right side for you guys, DeBrusque? Yeah, I'd put DeBrusque on that off wing and just let him come flying down that off wing and, and shoot the puck. And I think the other big thing, at least on the other end, would DeBrusque and Krejci would be protected. Yeah. With Lucic out there. And I mean, even now, like you said, the fourth line thing, even if he's a fourth line guy now, we kind of lack that jam a little bit. So I think bringing him back in, even if it's just to tune somebody up, it, it makes us tougher on that end. And plus, come playoff time, you're going to be going up against guys like Hornquist, uh, Tom Wilson, guys like that. And Luch can kind of take care of those distractions for you not by fighting but just focusing their attention on him kind of squaring off with them a little bit i would i think backers would actually play really well even in a third line role uh for edmonton under hitchcock so i would be interested in seeing how backers would perform out west again under a coach that might fit his skill a little bit better with the right system so if i'm edmonton i'm all over this thing well, yeah, I mean, he played for Hitchcock while he was in St. Louis, and he and he did yeah. pretty good. So, I mean, I don't see why Hitchy wouldn't bring him back on that end. But uh, who knows? It's Peter Chiarelli. He's probably going to give Lucic an extension on it, too. No, he'll send. He'll take back Bacchus, send you guys Lucic, $12 million in cash, and, like, Darnell Nurse or some shit. Perfect. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, one other rumor I heard with... Edmonton was Tory Krug to Edmonton. The rumored response was Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I, I don't know if this one would be a straight up one for one or if there would be more involved, but those were just the two names that I heard. Has Krug fallen off the death chart that much for you guys? No, I just think that Grizzlick has come into his own player and mm -hmm. with him making about three million less three and a half million less than tory krug i think it makes him expendable a little bit um tory on the defensive end is not as good as grizzlick uh grizzlick is not as good as tory offensively but can handle his own so i think it all depends on which whichever way you would want to make that switch i just think that if you're gonna move krug with you know we do have a younger defensive core you need to make sure these guys are ready a but B, if you're going to move them, that return that you get needs to work. So Yeah, he has two years left on his deal after this year at 5.25 a year, Tory Krug. So let's say you guys move him for a forward like Nugent Hopkins, which I like. He's not a superstar, but I don't understand Edmonton's like almost open desire to move this guy. He's a very solid. He's actually a pretty damn good 3C. Like He's playing below where he should be, and he can easily step up into the top six when needed, help out on a power play. So I don't know why 
he's always been in trade rumors, like the last two seasons so far. But if you guys move Krug for a forward, even if it's not Nugent Hopkins, what would your top, I guess, top four be uh, if he didn't get a defenseman back? Currently, I mean, if we count Charter. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of our only thing. So I, I think you got to say Chara, McAvoy, and then if Krug's gone, you can argue with whether you'd prefer Carlo Miller or Grizzlick in that top seating. And, I mean, that's not to take anything away from John Moore, too. He's he's played pretty good for us, too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I saw Lozon come up, and I think he went to the Phil Rizzuto School of Hockey where he's at fourth forward in on every play. <laughs> but um, I kind of like watching him. I mean, he's in on the corner. He's forechecking. He's back on D. He's kind of all over the place, kind of just a wild man. Uh, I've kind of liked watching him. Uh, he went back down now that guys have been healthy to play in Providence again. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the future looks bright, but at the same time, I don't want to sell it too quick and it doesn't blossom into the pretty little flower it's supposed to be. So thinking out loud all this, you know, me and you like playing GM, especially when it comes to Rangers Bruins uh, potential trades. There's a while there, so I have to sabotage it pretty hard when we were in college, and I wanted Spoons on my team for a long time. Finally got Spooner. Didn't really work out, but if you guys move Krug for, let, let's just say Nugent Hopkins, that'll help out a lot when Bergeron's out and he comes back. I guess RNH would be your 3C, and that would kind of provide even more depth for you guys up front. Yeah, he would Back. definitely provide us that. Yeah, if Bacchus stays too, I think another thing would be whether you want to move Bacchus to the wing or even if you want to bring Nugent Hopkins up to play wing with Krejci and DeBrusque, I think that could also be a, a good thing too. Not as much responsibility defensively, kind of let him fly a little bit and see if he can find that offensive touch a little bit more. Yeah, I was actually thinking, because Bacchus for two years and 12 left on his deal, it seems like you guys would, would be very willing to move on from that contract. You know, two years, $12 million left on Shattenkirk's deal if you need a right-handed shot defenseman to help out on your second power play unit. No, we're good, thanks. <laughs> Not even for Bacchus? <laughs> No, we're good, thanks. You know, Rangers are always about five years too late when it comes to this free agent shit. Uh, it, it can be brutal sometimes, man, especially, like, I understand the Shattenkirk scenario, like, the worst. Like, the kid was playing good, he comes home, he is the big free agent that year, that defenseman. That's funny. Oh, yeah, and then just nothing, just, like, flat on his face, and... He actually just separated his shoulder, so he's out for like three or four weeks now. I heard you paid a guy to do that. I mean, I can't divulge anything. You know, statute of limitations hasn't even started yet. But, you know, it's kind of helping us get some young guys in the lineup and see what we have besides this apparently passes prime overpaid defenseman and just trotting him out there every night. Tune him up. Tune him up a little bit. Uh, should we jump into our free agent bus so far? Yeah, so I wasn't exactly sure how we, what path we would go down with this. So I chose the best and a worst free agent signing. And then we had like the little award sample for MVP, Vezina Norris and coach of the year. But yeah, go ahead. Kick it off. If your best and worst, I guess, free agent signings. Well, I'm just going to give you my worst my, my worst um i know he's been hurt a little bit so i can't be too critical but james van reemsdijk in 15 games three goals four assists only seven points a minus seven out there um for a guy who was going back to philadelphia where i mean he grew up in jersey kind of going back home he was drafted by philadelphia he played there for years did good before going to toronto now coming back just kind of really hasn't shown up and I know it's been a whole team thing there, but you expected a lot more from him. I mean, with all the goals he scored in his career and just, I don't know, I just expected a lot more. I mean, 
uh, maybe I have to call Max Bra to see what the Philly fans are feeling, but I, I was just hoping for more from him. Yeah, he was my choice too. Uh, you know, they signed him five years, seven million dollar cap hit per year. Like you said, only three goals and fifteen games played uh, around some injuries that he's had. If you look at that, he was always a guy. If he wasn't scoring goals, he was invisible in a sense that he didn't have any outstanding attributes that would help the team in other ways. So the fact that he returns back to Philly, it's the first year of a five-year deal, and Philly might be looking at it like, this might be dead money on our cap already. Uh, yeah, worst free agent signing of this past offseason. Yeah, I got one other one for you, too. And, but yet again, it's one of those teams that have been a disappointment. Uh, Tyler Bozak. Big name going to St. Louis and 31 games, four goals, nine assists for 13 points. Um, I just expected a lot more out of him. He, he seemed to be the guy that was like going to blow up. Like he was killing it in Toronto. He went on a team out in St. Louis that had a really good roster built. I mean, doesn't mean shit because the year that they had. But um, it just seemed like this was going to be his year and just kind of flat a little bit. Yeah. That whole thing out in St. Louis is just a dumpster fire. Bozak, I was always a little hesitant on. There were always rumors that the Rangers were interested in training for him before he was a free agent. And then interested this summer in signing him if the cap numbers would work. But I just, like I've watched plenty of Toronto games over the years with him. And he just never stood out as somebody that you can trust to kind of be one of the core producers up front for you is more of like a secondary piece and based on the contract he got st louis was expecting much much more than what he's given him yeah. uh i'll kind of give you a, the bonus best free agent signing the only reason why i added this was i wanted to give another shout out to our former boy out in worcester buffalo signed carter hutton three years only 2.75 million a year Buffalo was having trouble in goal ever since they got rid of Miller, essentially. And Buffalo's been a surprise team to start the year. He's on pace for 55 games played, so basically number one goaltending workload. He has a 919 save percentage and kind of settled down the goaltending situation for the Sabres, uh, which has kind of taken the pressure off of their young D, things like that. So Carter Hutton at that cap hit. With the history that the Sabres had, best free agent signing. Yeah, and I mean, Hutz has gone there, and he's been phenomenal, too. And um, their win yesterday against us in Boston, you can see he, he sat yesterday just day off, and you could see how fired up he was for the boys when they came out yeah. with that win. Like, jumped off the bench, and he's giving Eichel the nuggies. He was just all fired up. Um, yeah, man, Hutz is a great guy, and I'm just happy to finally see him, A, get a starting job, and B, just kind of – rolling with it like just all around good dude yeah he was always the backup in nashville and chicago but he would always have these highlight reel saves that would pop up out of nowhere when he would get his one out of 15 to 20 starts each season so finally getting his chance to be the fall number one is kind of running with it and he was always a pretty good teammate uh when we experienced his time in worcester so not surprising yeah, and the, and the other thing he always did at the NHL level, I feel like everywhere he signed, their goalies missed a good amount of time where other people were able to see him play. So, I mean, the signing for him going to Buffalo, I think, you know, Buffalo definitely did their homework and were like, well, anytime he's in there, like you said, he's battling and he's competing. It's just how much, I don't know if, I, like, I don't want to say Vasilevsky-wise in the sense of getting tired with him not having a full, full season on him. But I do think, yeah, I mean, anytime he was in there, he played good enough to at least catch your eye and say, hey, maybe for the future, maybe when a deal's up. He just always seemed to get that. All right, so you want to move on to our awards here? Uh, MVP, Vezina, Norris, and Coach of the Year, halfway point of the season. All right, well, we will fire it up with the midseason MVP. And I got to give it to Miko Rantanen. Uh, I think the kid could play. I didn't. I did not expect what he's doing right now. Like, that line, the three of them, is filthy. It, it's 
disgusting. Uh, currently 56 points. He leads the league. Uh, he also leads the league with 41 assists. So, I mean, most of the stuff that's happening on the offense there, he's contributing to. And he has a vital, vital part there. One other person that I would put in this is Alex Ovechkin. I believe that he is carrying the Capitals right now. Like, he has been a man on a fucking mission. Um, we could talk about him a little bit later. Just been on absolute fire. And those would be my two current midseason MVPs. So I'm going to stay in Colorado for my pick. Uh, but I'm going to go with the franchise 23-year-old center, Nathan McKinnon. He's not dominant in the sense of, like, I know Rantanen's leading the league in assists, so he's not number one in any specific category, but he's just pretty dominant overall in a lot of different ones. Fifth in assists, fourth in goals, second in points. Uh, he basically carried the Avalanche to the playoffs last year. Everybody was probably thinking they were going to fall back a little bit this year, but him and that line like with Rantanen and Lagoskong is basically their third in the central they're competing right there with the likes of Winnipeg and Nashville. So I can't go wrong with picking either of those two guys, but I'm going to give it to McKinnon just because of previous track record, which I know you're not supposed to take into consideration, but I thought he should have gotten a lot more consideration for the MVP last year. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, th- there was a lot of people that said that they thought he should have won it instead of Hall flat out. So, I mean, there was definitely... I don't want to say speculation, but there was definitely a lot of people feeling a little ill will, thought he got shafted a little bit, because there's no question, without the way he played last year, Colorado does not get to the playoffs. He just, jump on my back, boys, let's go for the ride. And the fact that he's still only 23 years old is, there was one point where there were rumors that Colorado was interested in moving him. Uh, like two or three seasons ago mm-hmm. uh, when they were going through their hole. They fired Wah. Uh, they were kind of cleaning house a little bit. And I don't know if that was serious rumors and teams were actually making legitimate offers. But, man, if you could have brought in a 21, 22-year-old McKinnon at that point, probably buying low and then getting the type of player he has turned out to be the last two years, that would have been franchise altering move for whatever team would have acquired him oh dude joe sacco would have been shot like someone would have <laughs> killed sackic like that would have been it like no you, you do not trade a franchise guy and and the other thing too i mean i know how sometimes coaches have their own feelings or ways about players but they said patrick wah was an absolute fucking nutcase when it came to players like he'd be like he fucking sucks. I don't want him. That's it. And it's like, dude, this is coming from the same guy who flipped out in fucking Montreal and said, trade me. I'm not playing for you anymore. So I mean, I'm thoroughly surprised that Patrick Wall was hot under the collar as a coach. I know. Frenchies. Who would have thought? <laughs> At least he had a spine. Uh, well, I guess we're talking about Patrick Wall. You want to go Vezina? Who you got? I'm going to give it to the old dog down in Nashville, Pecorino. Uh, leading the league in goals against average, which I know is a little bit of a team stat more than a goalie stat, but he's at 196. Uh, he's second in the league in save percentage at 929, uh, trailing the backup in Winnipeg, so not necessarily giving him full credit on that one. He's fourth in wins, fourth in shutouts. Uh, Nashville is, one again, one of the top two or three teams in the West, uh, So and he's been staying healthy for the most part, so... Mid-season Vesna, I'll award it to Pecorino. I'm with you on that 100%. Um, I know he's gotten a lot of crap in the past years and everything else, but I think he's been phenomenal as of late. He's been really lights out. Like you said, he's top five in everything in the goalies. Uh, I think he knows after the puddle he's been in the playoffs the last couple of years that their window to win is now like the, the next two, three years in Nashville. If, if they're going to win, it's now he knows that. And his deal I'd say is now more team friendly, uh, 5 million for the next two years. Yeah. I mean, I hope he can get it done. I mean, his backup is hot on his ass for that starting job too. And he's young enough to be able to replace Renee, uh, two seasons from now. So, 
who do you have for your coach of the year? I have, of course, more than one because I'm my decisiveness is phenomenal. And Kevin can't commit except for getting married, buying a house, and having kids. That, that's it. That, that's all I can really do. <laughs> Anything else? It's like I'll get back to you. I'll I'll check. I'll see what's going on. Um, uh, coach of the year, I was kind of initially leaning towards. Uh, Bill Peters out in Calgary, but I'm going to give it to Phil Housley in Buffalo. Complete surprise team around the league to start this year. Uh, they have and had plenty of young talent, but I don't think anybody expected them to be third in the division ahead of a team like Boston, who I know has been dealing with injuries and stuff. But uh, coach of the year so far, I'm going to give to Housley. Yeah, I had three guys. I had Housley Peters <laughs> and Claude Julian. Um, I put Buffalo a little bit higher on my list this year. I, I thought they were definitely going to be a lot better of a team than they've been in past years. Um, Peters, I mean, that lineup he has is phenomenal. So that kind of makes me go in a different direction a little bit in a sense. Like it, yeah. it, it, like it would be hard to say Laviolette's coach of the year with the lineup that he has. John Cooper, the same thing. So that's why I kind of leaned off of Peters a little bit. But as for Claude, I mean, going into the year, I, I know we did. I know other podcasts did. I know the magazines did that. We thought Montreal was going to be hot dog shit. Like we didn't think there was going to be anything there. And it seems like they finally gotten into a rhythm. Uh, I mean, we spanked them tonight. Just throwing that out there again. But, um, no, I, I think that they've definitely surprised a lot of people. And whether that's Claude or whether that was a team mentality and us versus them, no one's picking us. You know how it goes with that. But um, I, I think Claude definitely has to get some looks here too. I, To be honest, all that makes sense. But I think the real reason why Claude's been so uh, good in Montreal this year, it's just because of his language skills. That's the only thing that matters when it comes to coaching in Montreal. If you don't speak French, you don't coach here. That's rule number one. We... I will say, going back towards the Vezina, I know he won't win it because of what the overall team record will be at the end of the year, but Lundqvist has been turning back the clock all year this year. He's facing 41% of his starts. He's facing 40 shots or more a game. I... Uh, which is 27 points higher than its second-place goaltender. Uh, earlier in the career, the most 40 game shots a game he ever faced was 5% in the season, so he's up to 41. So behind a pretty leaky uh, defensive crew, he's keeping the Rangers in it. The only reason why they are where they are right now is because of uh, Hank and goals. So maybe, maybe not to Vesna, but may get some MVP votes, even if the Rangers... Uh, continue to downward trend a little bit. My pick for Norris, I, I'm kind of biased. Like, I feel like the Norris, th there should be like two defensive trophies. One for if you're the defensive defenseman of the air and one for the offensive defenseman of the air. Because it yeah. seems like lately it's just been a points contest as to if you have the most goals as a defensive, most, like most points, you get win the Norris, even though it was never yep. like that. Um. But with that, I think Thomas Shabbat could be a cool story. Just a rookie D-man getting it done on a team that we didn't expect anything out of. Uh, currently in 35 games, 10 goals, 26 assists for a total of 36 points. Uh, he's definitely turning a lot of heads. Will he keep it up? I mean, I always want to say what the rookies know, but I'd say, I mean, he, he surprised the shit out of me. I don't know why he wouldn't be able to keep it up. Um. So he would be kind of like my ace in the hole. I personally like John Carlson. I just think that Washington cannot do what they do without him. Um, not as many in the goals department, five goals, but, I mean, 30 assists. He runs that power play. He's the guy who gives Ovechkin that puck. He's the peanut butter to that jelly. I mean, going back to Shabbat, only Boston had a chance to get a hold of him, you know? Yeah, uh, Jake Saboral's doing good. Good, and you? <laughs> uh, my Norris Trophy pick out of Columbus. I'm going to go with Seth Jones. On pace for 70 goals, 55 points. He's averaging over 26 minutes of ice time a game. 
he's going to end up with over 200 shots on goal. So he's a big minute defenseman that plays in all situations, power play, PK, uh, OT, uh, five on five, obviously. And he's playing for a coach who demands perfection uh, by his defensemen, even for guys offensively gifted as Seth Jones. And he's been holding up as the number one franchise defenseman that everybody thought he would be when he was drafted by Nashville. And to do so under the pressure of a guy like Tortorella, who has his whims. I'll just leave it at that. But he's really coming to his own this year. And like he's kind of in the same pace with uh, Shabbat in offensive production. But the fact that he plays over 26 minutes of game in all game situations for a coach like Torts, uh, he gets my pick for Vezina. Uh, for Norris. Um, we hit all of them, right? MVP, Vesna, Norris, Coach of the Year. Yep. Shall we get to your favorite segment of the week? What is the Seattle team name going to be? Yeah, I mean, this is more of just what we would want it to be at this point. I They did rule out the Seattle Kraken officially, so that's not going to be their team name, even though that's pretty badass logo they could probably end up, would have ended up with. Uh, but... The two leading choices for me at this point is the Metropolitans uh, paying paying homage to the PCHA franchise. Uh, They were in that league in Seattle from 1915 to 24. And actually, they were the first U.S. team to win a Stanley Cup in 1917. Uh, So that would just be like a whole historical thing. If they did come into the league as the Metropolitans, I wonder if that would force the league to change the division name that the Rangers play in just to avoid... Any issues with that? Yeah, that was what I was thinking. That's all I think of when you said I was like the Metropolitan (laughs) Division, but they're in the West. Uh, But my other top choices at this point, I like the Seattle Totems. Uh, Just a little nod to the Native American history they have at the Pacific Northwest up there. Uh, But my top choice, and this is, again, paying homage to an old franchise that was in Seattle, but it was the baseball team, the Seattle Pilots. I honestly don't know which way to go. Um, <laughs> uh, no, because, like, y- you think of certain teams and their name just works. And yeah. It seems like every name that Seattle's, like, kind of thrown out, Seattle Totems, Seattle Metropolitan. Like, I-, I just don't feel like there's a good flow. Like, the Washington Capitals, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the yeah. Seattle Totems. Like, I don't know. They're, they're just kind of falling a little flat for me. Um they're talking about the Seattle rain, which uh, see, would be I, 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 I like that. I mean, it fucking rains there every day. I just don't know why you wouldn't do it. The I wonder Seattle, what the logo would be, just like a raindrop. The, the, <laughs> they should go the old school uh, Edmonton Oilers. Would they have the oil thing except put a fucking raindrop in it? With the Starbucks thing. It just put like a, a lightning bolt through it. <laughs> yeah, that's all. L- a little asterisk. No one will even know. Um, I guess we can get back to him now. Alexander Ovechkin on absolute fire. Just in the past 14 games, he has a total of 23 points, including 17 goals. Just like an absolute machine. We talked to him a couple episodes ago about how he has a chance at catching Gretzky and everything else. And I said no. But I think I might have to rethink it, man. Like, he is just, even with age, like, he's just getting better and better. Yeah, 33 years old. Uh, he was just in the next seven goals, seven games. Was led by seven goals in seven games, but no assists, which is an incredible feat in and of itself. Uh, for a guy who plays on a power play in top line minutes that much. But he's on pace this year for 74 goals, only 36 assists. So that tells you all you need to know. Um, yeah, I think everybody, at least I was expecting, after they won a cup and that monkey kind of was taken off of his back, that he would kind of settle down into, you know, they, towards the end of his career, being in the 30-goal range, he got his cup, maybe even even going back to Russia once his contract was over. Um but, yeah, so the fact that he's still cranking him out at age 33 is good. 
Yeah, I saw a thing the other day about, uh, I guess, John Butchergrass now after, like, every goal that OV scores. Yeah, he's, like, tweeting out how many more he needs to get to Gretzky. And, I mean... Let me ask you this. Would you want him to catch Gretzky? I think it would be awesome if he did. I, I honestly think it would be phenomenal. Just because, like... You look at the olden days when Gretzky was kind of doing his thing, and the, these goalies were wearing, like, pillows as leg pads. Like, it was just kind of like one of those things where he seemed to just be kind of better than everybody else and kind of going around everybody. And now with the new NHL, like, you got to have the speed. Like, it, it's everything along with it. Like, I just think it would be phenomenal in – I think it would be even better, too, in the sense of, like, people are always claiming, you know, McDavid's the best player and Crosby's the best player. It's like, well, well, fuck Ovi, just Pat Skretsky. That's not good or anything, right? I think he's the best goal scorer, pure goal scorer in the league. I, I can't put him out as, like, the best player. That makes sense. No, no, I, I get you on that, but, I mean, it, it's one of those things, like, key you would have to recognize him forever. Like you just have to acknowledge it forever. Like there's just no, uh, the best goal scorer of all time. And that top of the circle one timer still cannot be stopped till this day. And you know, it's coming. It's like the Mariner or Vera cutter, you know, it's coming. You still can't hit it. The thing is Gretzky was my boy. My my aim screen name was great one twenty eight fifty seven his career point total. I can fully appreciate Ovi's production and his talent. I just don't want him or anybody else unless he's a ranger uh, catching up to Gretzky and being uh, knocking him off as the all time goal scorer. Of course, it would have to be a ranger guy. Um, you know, maybe uh, Matt Zuccarello. Yeah, he'll definitely get there too. Um, speaking of New York, I guess we'll go with Patrick Berglund up in Buffalo. I guess this situation just went from, uh, he was kind of scratched a couple of games and wasn't very happy about it to now he's just completely left the team suspended indefinitely. I guess there was a whole background behind it too, that his agent dropped the ball. I guess he had a no-movement clause in St. Louis, and then it was going from a no-movement to a limited-movement clause, but he still had to submit X amount of teams that he would like to go to. Well, his agent never submitted a list, and then he was a part of that Ryan O'Reilly deal, and he got sent to Buffalo. Yeah. I just find it a little crazy because, I mean, I, I might be biased, but I just feel like hockey is like the ultimate team sport. Like you understand that if you're not playing, it's hard. But at the same time, like, you know how hard the boys are competing. You want the boys to win and the boys are winning up there. Like they're doing good. And it just seems like he is just not happy, not having it. Yeah. It's odd. He was pretty much a bust in St. Louis after they picked him. I think he was a late first round pick. But he gets moved to Buffalo. Buffalo is playing well. 23 games played. He only has two goals, two assists. He's averaging only 14 minutes of ice time a game. You're not playing well enough to be in a lineup. So the fact that he's disgruntled about that, the two games that he set out last week, they ruled it as he was sick, uh, which obviously could just be cover for him being upset and want to give him some time to cool off. But not showing up to the team, I mean, you're in a second year of your extension, getting paid $3.85 million a year. You keep playing. Like, you can go up to management and the coaching staff, air your dirty laundry to them and say, I need to be moved or whatever. But if, if he does show back up to the Buffalo locker room, how are the guys going to react to that? I don't know. I, I feel like... I feel like he was sick, though, at first, because that was kind of what Housley reported. That was what he knew. He said, yeah, as as far as I know, he's sick. But then once it was something else, 
he just completely dogged him too in the interview. He's like, I'm only talking about the guys that we have here in our locker room. So that's kind of like a big fuck you. I think he's going to find his way out of town rather quickly. They're just not going to deal with that. I just, I know his cap hit is pretty low, 3.85. I just don't know which team would want to take him on for basically three and a half more years at that cap hit with that pretty much attitude that he has with him. You're basically a fourth liner who's getting paid 3.85 mil for three years. Just be happy to be in a league. You know? So at this point, I don't know which team would take him on for three more years and maybe just bite the bullet and buy him out. And because their cap situation is in pretty good shape for the next few years anyway. I just don't know if there's going to be a market for him. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm with you on that. Like, just with, you don't kind of want that poison in the locker room. You just want the boys to keep rolling. And, yeah, when someone's just that into it for themselves, it's kind of hard for others to even look at them different. Yeah. Um, Game of the week, lock of the week? How did I make out yeah. last week? Because I forgot who I picked. Did you finally get off the schneid? I got off the schneid. I am one and six. I picked. I mean, it was a pretty bitch move to take Pittsburgh at home over the worst team in the West on uh, LA Kings. But I needed that win. So I won in six. You picked Calgary over Philly. Calgary won six five in overtime. So you have improved to four and three. So you're over five hundred. Uh, my lock of the week pick this week, Thursday the twentieth. I'm going to be going Boston over Anaheim. Uh, I see Garden. Anaheim is one of the worst puck possession teams in the league. Playing one of the best puck possession teams in the league. Traveling from the west coast to the east coast. That worked for me last week, so I'm going to stick with that setup. I'm going opposite. I'm going uh, Tuesday the 18th. I have Winnipeg at L.A., and I know they're not going completely across country, but Winnipeg is going to ragdoll this team. How about that Winnipeg-Tampa game? Yeah, dude, talk about uh, something to look forward to in June if it gets there, huh? Yeah, fantastic game. That's a lot of just been out of his mind since he came back yeah that save that he had uh, was it marner that that back kick scorpion save or whatever it was yeah like holy shit man uh game of the week picks i'm gonna stick with thursday the 20th uh tampa bay versus calgary calgary won five in a row now at this point i believe they're leading the pacific division their second best uh, record in the West. Uh, Tampa Bay has been rolling. Everybody's back there pretty much healthy. They had that great game on uh, on a road against Winnipeg. So I'm looking for that to be another hopeful uh, midseason classic for uh, Tampa. I'm going Wednesday the 19th. Just, you know, the old rivalry night. It'll be on NBCS Sports. I, I went with Pitt at Washington. I think any time they get together, it's always uh, it's always fun. You know, a little Thanksgiving family dinner, past the fucking potatoes. I think it's going to be good. I will say, you know, i got to give sarcastic props to NBC for the promotion of the NHL. They have the Wednesday night rivalry games, and they have Pittsburgh versus Washington, the two teams that have won the last three Stanley Cups. And all weekend, all I saw for an advertisement was one single little bottom bar in the middle of the football game, Sunday Night Football, that said, Wednesday at 7, Washington takes on Pittsburgh. Now, great promotion. Daniel got your money, but you're doing If anything, too, it was probably... Um... You know, you probably saw more shit posted for the English Premier Soccer League game than you did for the NHL. Yeah, Sunday morning Premier League. Like, I get it. I'm a soccer guy, but I get it. But come on, promote the fucking league. Yeah, it's it's just getting a little sickening. And I mean, NBC's your network too, because that's basically the only station live broadcast that you have. Be outside of NHL.com if you sign up for the package. That's all you have. NBC yeah. Sports and the local local feeds. That's it. I'm telling you, they got to go back to ESPN. They got to make nice. Oh, actually, I got to tell you about that now that you said that. That's what fucked me up. I, I got an what? email the other day, 
and it said um, for the rest of the season on ESPN Plus, uh, you can watch the N- all the NHL games. And I almost fucking choked. I'm like, ESPN sent me this? <laughs> yeah, I think that that ice has been falling a little bit between ESPN and the league, probably because ESPN is losing a lot of ground uh, to other entertainment venues. But you got to make up. I don't know when that NBC deal ends. I think they might have actually just re-signed it, which might make this all moot. But go back to ESPN. I need Gary Thorne. I need Bill Clements. I need holy jumping Darren Pang between the benches, and I need that theme song. I need it like I need oxygen, man. That might be next week's intro. Yeah, that 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 was the shit back in the day when that thing was coming on. Little Steve Levy. Oh my god, dude! All time. When you would pop down, you'd finish your homework, sit down your ass on the couch at exactly seven p.m. or seven thirty. Screen goes black, and then that theme song hits. And it's the first round of the playoffs. And you're like, oh, all right, fucking playoff time, baby. Oh, my God. Ty Domi just elbowing people in the face just like a shit bag that he was. Can't can't beat it. Yeah. I miss Darren Pang, to be honest. There was that time when Boudreau was the coach of the Caps, and he said MSG was an easy place to play. Uh, you can't really hear the fans. And then the next home game, the Rangers were up 3 nothing, and the whole arena's chanting, can you hear us? And Darren Pang chimes in, and he's like, you know, I made my first career start here at the Garden, and I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, funny. Uh, do Do we have I any? That crewman. Uh, speaking of uh, you know, ESPN hockey and that being history, do we have any history for today? Yeah, I uh, I know it's usually Sunday today in NHL history, but changing it up a little bit. The first one is you know, it's always a pleasure to be throwing some. Your hand. But in 2000, defense scores in overtime. Roosevelt became the second player to any reinstated game with an overtime. Steve Thomas of Anaheim, the only other player in NHL history, he did that in 2003. Next on the list, we have 1957, the largest trade in NHL history at the time. The Blackhawks traded Nick Mikowski, Jack McIntyre, and Heck Lalonde to the Detroit Red Wings, a rare Detroit-Chicago deal, uh, for Dutch Drybell, Billy D, Bill Deneen, and Lon Ferguson. And lastly, of course, you can choose any that's going to have Ingressing involved. Uh, Wayne Gretzky reached two NHL milestones when he scores one goal and has five assists. Gretzky gets his 500th assist and 800th point in his 352nd NHL game. No one has reached either total faster. Ovechkin coming out to you soon. Uh, <laughs> you got any shout-outs for the week? Uh, of course, always. Uh, First Lady doing her thing. I'll give a shout out to the crew that I went to the Travis Scott show with last night. Definitely wasn't my cup of tea listening to him on Spotify. Maybe I'm just too old at this point. But really good uh, enter- entertainer on stage at the show. Had a good time. Contrary to the base issues on my Instagram, just uh, had a crew, Karn, Viggy, uh, Matt, and Charlotte. So I'll give a shout out to them. All right. Uh... I know I had told them before I wasn't going to shout them out, but I just watched the uh, Bruins game at Kyle and Ricky's house, so big shout-out to them. Um, I'm not one to do this, but I'm going to do it. By the time we record our next show, I'm going to be the big 3-0, and um, it's weird. Uh, I don't know. There's probably a couple of... uh, questionable years where people were probably saying i don't know if he's gonna make it that far <laughs> but uh that's why you're listening to this show now so suck my nuts um one other thing too we had mainzy's surprise 30th this weekend and uh i got to deal with some of the biggest scumbags that i know and uh i just want to say thank you for that so the boys from the fed the jhf whatever the hell they're being called now 
uh, Fast Phil, Crotch Hair Sam, uh, Lorenza. It, yeah, it, it was fun seeing all the boys together. We had some good times. Uh, Bobo gave him a couple of wet willies. He loves them. Yeah, no, it was it, it was good. It, it was fun. The big for you, I'll tell you this. You might be turning 30. You're not turning the same 30 I turned because I did not have the wife or kids. So I may be older than you in years, but I think you've experienced a little bit more than me. Welcome to the club, buddy. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, do we have anything else for this week, or are we wrapping up? Uh, just going with Hank and... I don't know, maybe have an in-person podcast sometime soon, hopefully. I like that. Well, Benny, I love you. Um, I hope there's just room for me, you, and the First Lady. I, I just don't want her to get in between us, that's all. And uh, Well, there's plenty of room for your beard on my chest, so. Well, as long as it's some, some beard on beard crime, I'm in. Everybody, we will catch you next week hopefully on our normal recording day and yeah we will catch y'all then benny miss you love you